This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. You ever think about quitting? It's the combat of life, hammering the snot out of you. Well, stand by, dig in deep, and get ready to get fired up with us. Welcome to the Team Never Quit Podcast, the number one podcast that inspires you to fight on. I'm your host, David Rutt Rutherford, here with Mr. Never Quit himself, Marcus Luttrell. Our mission is to help you embrace the suck of life, to teach you the values of working your ass off, and to interview the most hard-charging people on planet Earth. We know life is hard. It's time for you to suck it up, buttercup, and let us teach you to persevere in every environment imaginable by sharing real-world lessons learned by those who never quit. That's right. It's time, Marcus, for us to help them defeat the well, negative insurgency up, in their lives. You fire me up, Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. Let's roll. All right, so, Marcus, here's the thing that I know, brother. Here's the thing that I know. I'm, I'm keep bringing them on. Well, I, I'm going to bring these cats on because you have to go the distance with them to understand where the madness comes is, from. Is that what you're, you're – this is a lesson. This is – you're – you're still teaching me, right? Well, I'm trying to teach everybody right now. <laughs> I mean, be- in the beginning, you got a hold of me, to, taught me how to be a SEAL. Now you're teaching me that we need this. To, well, well brother, it. it's the distance. This is not a sprint. And you and I both know that, man. And we talk about it now, now that we're in our 40s, and what our mission in life now is on the Team Never Quit podcast. And, and if this is your first time listening, then super fired up to you for coming on board because stand by. Because Marcus, Mr. Never Quit Himself, and me, David Rutt Rutherford, we're here to inspire you to learn the never quit mindset, to come up out of the, in, in, to ignite your, the fire in your gut so you too can begin the ultra marathon of your life. So you too can realize that the positive application of pain is what's going to differentiate you from the people out there who aren't willing to accept the pain. That was well said. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And, you know, this is an amazing place. If you know, if you want to look listen to more about what it is we do, go to teamneverquit.com forward slash podcast. Check out why we do it, all the different shows, all the different amazing people that we have on. We've had incredible people on. We've had people like Day Ultra Distance Runner David Goggins. Goggins. We've had Charlie Daniels, Dustin Pedroia, Diana Nyad, some ultra athletes and musicians and, and Willie spec- Robertson. Willie Robertson, Rick Perrin, Adam LaRoche. I mean, tough Heatman. I mean, we've had some of the most remarkable people on what a planet. A tough bastard. Tough. Broke his face, shattered his face, face. and it got back in, on in the, the bull. In the face. <laughs> And got back up. Yeah, the biggest bull out. All right. All right. So that's who we bring on this show to help inspire you to live with a never quit mindset, right? And 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 if you're once you go to the website, check out the merchandise. We've got some great t-shirts. Join the team. 
sports you're never could flag your sticker your banner because we want you to be a part of us we want you to prove to everybody in your world that you're never going to quit too we've also if you're your company would love to have a great inspirational or motivational speaker to tell you just an awesome story check out our speakers bureau we have an amazing group of 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 speakers that can come in and help change your life and your company's uh success so that's where we're at right now, man. So the guy who's coming on is considered by many, Marcus, to be the greatest marathoner, ultra marathoner who's ever lived. And you can't really call it a hidden world because it's in the Olympics and you watch it and, and everything like that, man. But it, it seems to be you you keep finding these guys who ultra out on that. Because I mean, one perfect example is once once the SEAL teams and Delta and we're out in the open kind of a deal because of the wars we fought, Yeah, there's another program. Oh, yeah. There will always be another program. Oh, yeah. Better, stronger, faster. Yeah, they're they're working runs, on it every day. Yeah, so as soon as some men test themselves and all walks of life across this country, especially these ultra guys. So once one race is won and there's, a, there, what is it? As soon as a couple people start being able to do it, well, them guys who in, invented it, they're going to go find something harder to do. More hard, more difficult, more intense, right? We got, we got one. Well, here's the deal. I mean, this guy... You know, what's remarkable to me is is when you look at his background and you look at the fact that, you know, if an ultra marathoner can be named one of time's most hundred influential people in the world, there's a reason for that. Yeah. There's a reason because not well, that's only... That's the best part about it. It's crossed, I mean, he... Oh, absolutely. I mean, he, he's. I would imagine he's going to drop a lot of stuff out here. Just Well, he's going to drop mad knowledge. I mean, this is a dude, he's won the Badwater 135. He's won a truckload of other races. He he just ran across the Silk Route. He did 50, 50 marathons, 50 state in 50 days, twice. He ran across the country. He runs from Disneyland to New York City and back. Mm. I mean, come on, man. Mm. <laughs> mm. I mean, this guy has got some serious knowledge. So if, if you're joining in, stand by, because this is going to hit you. It's going to hit you in your feet. It's going to hit you in your back. It's going to hit you in your heart. And it's, that's what we're, we intend to do. But before we do that, I want to, we want to go, we usually do a great historical person or story, or we do a, a, a funny bit called what you're going to do, uh, or we read a great shared story. But today we've got a historical person, right? This guy. You're going to dig the legendary story of Cliff Yon, Marcus. This is awesome, all right? All right, so let me read this, and I want you to feel inspired. So every year, Australia hosts a 543.7-kilometer endurance race from Sydney to Melbourne. It is considered among the world's most grueling ultramarathons. The race takes five days to complete and is normally only attempted by world-class athletes who train specially for the event. These athletes are typically less than 30 years old and are backed by some large companies such as Nike or whatever. In 1983, a man named Cliff Young showed up at the start of the race. Cliff was 61 years old and wore overalls and work boots. To everyone's shock, <laughs> literally shock, Cliff wasn't I'm a shocked <laughs> right now. Cliff wasn't a spectator. He picked up his race number and joined the other runners. The press and other athletes became curious to question Cliff. They told him, you're crazy, man. There's no way you can finish this. To which he replied, yes, I can. See, I grew up on a farm where we couldn't afford horses or tractors. And the whole time I was growing up, when, and you like the voice I'm using? Good. And the whole time I was growing up, 
Or, no, I, Australian hey, I can't do it. No, I suck Australian. at it. No, I, I don't even whenever, try. No, that I can't. Bad, no, huh? It's bad. bad, bad. It's okay. bad, mate. Whenever the storms would roll in, I'd have to go out. I do and, like the pirate, though, because yeah, he yeah. kind of got the. Yeah, I'd have to go out and round up the sheep. We had 2,000 sheep on 2,000 acres. Sometimes I'd have to run those sheep for two or three days. It took a long time, but I'd always. Has anybody seen the boy? <laughs> <laughs> he left on Tuesday. <laughs> But I'd always catch them, and I believe I can run this race, mate. All right. When the race started, the pros quickly left Cliff behind. The crowds and television audience were entertained because Cliff didn't even run properly. He appeared to shuffle. Bud shuffle, by right, the way. Of course. Many even feared Miles. That the old, <laughs> for the old farmer's safety. All the professional athletes knew that it took about five days to finish this race. In order to complete, one had to run about 18 hours a day and sleep the remaining six hours. The thing is, Cliff Young didn't know that. Of course he didn't. He's a farmer, right? When the morning of the second day came, everyone was, was in for another surprise. Not only was Cliff still in, this, in the race, he had continued jogging all night long. Eventually, Cliff was asked about his tactics for the rest of the race. To everyone's disbelief, he claimed he would run straight through to the finish without sleeping. Cliff kept running. Each night, he came a little closer to the leading pack. By the final night, he had surpassed all of the young, world-class athletes. He was the first competitor to cross the finish line and had set a new course record. When Cliff was awarded the winning prize of $10,000, he said he didn't know there was a prize. He said he didn't know there was a prize, and instead that he did not enter it for the money. He ended up giving all of his winnings to several other runners, runners as an act that endeared him to all of Australia. Great, great story. Matter of fact, we're gonna put. A, we need a poster of that dude somewhere. Oh, we'll post it out uh, when I we. Mean, <laughs> we'll so post I, that ought to, I love that because that the athletes that we have that we see on TV, the most beautiful people, the smartest. No, they're not. No. They're out there. They're out there right doing there. it. Every now and again, one of them will walk up. And I love, the best part about it is my granddaddy used to say this all the time, old age and experience will whip your ass every time. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, they, and he walks up. That's an outback run, man. He ran through the outback. <laughs> These are tough anyways. but uh, Hard as nails. God dang. Uh, man, that's awesome. It is awesome. And what it is, what, it, what I hope it inspires you I didn't Listen, inspire anybody to do anything. I had never heard that story. I, the wizard found it, of course. Awesome. Yeah, the wizard found that one. Make a t-shirt like Eddie would go. Cliff would go. Yeah, Cliff will go. <laughs> Cliff will run it. Cliff will do it. Yeah, and if I was at those runners, man, I guess it's in Australia. Obviously, they do it over there, but I, I, I would say, man, Cliff, get up. Cliff, keep go- Cliff would still be going. Cliff, Cliff would still be running. So, hey, so here, I want as the listener out there, I hope you're listening. Because it's stuff like that, a story like that, the true definition of the never quit mindset is why you got to believe you can do it too. How about this one? He did not know that there was a money prize or anything else involved in that. And that Nothing. And that, I wonder if that, how hard that tested him. That, that ought to tell you something about the human condition because what we thought was ultra runners and these badass youngins just got their hand to them by a sheep, by, by a sheep farmer. A dude doing the young shuffle. I, I would have been interested in seeing what that kid was capable of back in the day. Oh, my God. Well, uh, on the farm, I mean, the guy's, the, the guy's crazy. But here, there's another, That's what I'm talking about. It, the mentality he had to just chase some sheep. What if some world-class coach got a hold of him and taught him that he could run around the globe? Well, you know what I'm talking well, about? Well, hold, hold on. 
But that's awesome. But I got a little follow-up for you about old Cliff. Because oh. I, I knew you needed a little I more. Knew, I do, man. All right, you ready? Can't be it. All right, Cliff. <laughs> he entered the race the second year and took seventh place, by the way. Um, at 63? At, at 60, what, 62, 63. All right, wait, hold on. Cliff came to prom- prominence again in 1997 at age 76 when he attempted to raise money for homeless children by running around Australia's border. He completed 6,520 kilometers of the 16,000-kilometer run before he had to pull out because his only crew member became ill. Cliff Young passed away in 2003 at the age of 81. All right, I'm running to the dr- I'm, I'm running today. I'm going to do a run for Cliff. When he died, tell me these. De- when 2000, he died, 2001, bro. Well, I mean, no, what day? June, uh, summer? What? Uh, uh, doesn't there? say on there. Doesn't I'm logging that into my calendar as a run day. As a big old I'm, run I'm day. Dedi- I'm dedicating this into the guy we're bringing on and and Goggins. Yeah. Goggins. Goggins. And Cliff. <laughs> well, let's get to it. So let's let's bring on our guest, man, because this guy. He is the greatest ultra runner in ultra marathoner in history. This guy was, uh, you know, one of Time Magazine's 100 most influential people. He's run so many different ultra marathons. Like I said, 50 marathons, 50 days, uh, 50 states. Man, he's done a lot. He's done a lot, lot. and he's going to share why. Right? Let's bring on the infamous, the world famous Dean Carnass. Marcus, and I told you, as I prepped you when Dean was getting ready to come on, man, it's just one of those guys that understands pain. He understands comfort zones and how to destroy them. And so that's why I am so super fired up, man. I know you're fired up, too, because you hate running more than anything in the world. I don't know if fired up's the right word. <laughs> no, fired up you know, is the right word. Like, man, it's kind of one of them deals where you're bringing somebody on that, that, that thrives in something that I do not. <laughs> so it's not... Hey, fired up! It's envy and I kind of <laughs> envy's a good one, yeah. And malice, and and because I got to remind me about running. But the thing about it is, you know how I am. I, I actually the the fact that somebody can do something like that that I don't have that skill, man. I, I just I respect them and, and honor them. Yeah, I mean, huge I, I, I respect. A, a, a lot of emphasis on paying attention to what they do just to try and because I have to train myself, but it just never never works. Well, let's get them, Dean. <laughs> yeah. We'd love to welcome you to the Team Never Quit podcast. Are you there, brother? Well, I'm, I'm listening to Marcus, and I did. Re- I reflect back on my junior high school track coach. You always used to say, "Learn to love that which you hate." So, <laughs> I, I have done that in every facet. Of running life, could brother. be in your future, brother. Don't give up so early. Hey, yeah. Now that we're buddies, man. Hey, if you, I got me a running coach right now, man. So I'm kind of like, look, all right, just because I talked to you, you fired me up about running. Now you're going to hear from me every day. Yeah, uh. Uh, the one thing, though, that, that I think, Dean, that Marcus has going against him is he's got so much titanium in his spine right. that, that, that I don't know if, if running would be the best thing for yeah, right. him. Cyborgs don't run. They, they walk. They continuous walk. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right, well, Dean, man, we're so privileged to have you on. I mean, you you represent really the pinnacle of of your sport, and 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 more so much more than that as an inspiration to people out there to really get out and 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 experience life out on the trail, out on the road, and and to see the world through you know through a really unique perspective. And I, we just feel so blessed that you're, you you've come on with us. So thank you, brother. Well, thanks for having me run by, and uh, it's an honor to be here. So yeah. 
All right, so I, the way we start every show, Dean, is we got to do a little little brain warm up, right? We got to stretch out those synapses. We got to put a little hurting on on your neuroplasticity. So what we do is we do this mad minute. So Marcus and I are going to fire some hardcore questions at you, rapid and fifty caliber style, and you just whatever pops into your head, you just throw it out there just to get you warmed up. So you ready for that? I, I let, let's do it, boys. All right, here we go. First question is. Beatles, Rolling Stones, or Led Zeppelin? <laughs> uh, Stones. Oh, right, mine's nice. a little more serious. 2,437 divided. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> right. oh, favorite I, superhero. I was told there'd be no math. <laughs> I, was, I love that yeah. I love it. I love it. Uh, favorite superhero? Uh, you guys. <laughs> You're I don't awesome. Have super, the, my superheroes are all real people, and what you guys are doing to me are, makes you heroes. Well, thanks, right bro. Thank we you, appreciate John. it. All right, so your dream—if you weren't doing what you were doing, what you're doing right now—what would be your dream career? I'd be a Greek fisherman. Oh, that's right. cool. Cool, right? I, that caught me by surprise. Uh, if you could, uh, a movie character you would like to play out in real life. <laughs> I know who I would like to play out. Forrest Gump. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you'd already done that. that Didn't you already do that? Didn't you already run across America a couple of times, Dean? I think you've already done that one, bud. <laughs> I've I've been there and I got to one coast and I did turn around and start running back. That ought to be a hey, you know what man after uh, it, uh, it, he should make we'll talk about this later yeah. after the mad minute. I got an idea. All right, all right. Is it uh, my turn? No, it's my turn. All, all right. right, all right. If you had to fight one, who would you fight, Stallone or Schwarzenegger? <laughs> oh Jesus. Probably Schwarzenegger. He's put on some weight. Stallone still looks steadily to me. Uh, yeah, and he's old now too. Yeah. I think he's a little crap right. decrepit. If you got struck by lightning, when you got up, would you try and see if you could run faster? <laughs> I think I'd quit running if I if I lived I did. through it. <laughs> Actually, Marcus just got struck got by lightning the other day. day. And I tried to see if I could run faster, and it didn't work. So you got your work cut out for you to get me to run, brother. <laughs> all right, all right, here you go. Uh, if you could live in any decade throughout history, what decade would it be? Oh, that's easy. Uh, 25, uh, four, 490 BC. Start of the Olympics. And that was, uh, four, that was when uh, Pheidippides in the Battle of Marathon, the, the re- mm-hmm. original Greek marathoner, Marathon, yeah. ran Frankie. from uh, I- the battlefield of Marathon to, yeah, the Acropolis yep. and, uh, and pronounced Greek victory and then died. Oh, so I and, would, uh, and, well, hold, hold that steps. thought because you, you're coming out with a book about the, all that here. So hold that thought because I want to get to that. That sounds really cool. Really cool. All right, go ahead. Hit him. All right, uh, power animal. Power animal? Yes, sir. Uh, my dog. His name is Zeus. <laughs> ah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so awesome. Right. Rigby. All right, and, and the last question for us is, uh, have you ever felt invincible? Yeah, uh, I have. And unfortunately, I, I, it's, it's a, both a blessing and a curse because I still feel that way, and it puts you in some uh, compromising positions. But... Yeah, I, I, I still think I'm invincible. Well, that's awesome. That's what I love to hear. So, you know, next thing we want to do, Dean, is, is just jump right into it. People come to this show. They listen to this show because they're searching. Maybe they haven't found it in their lives yet. Maybe they're, 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 not, they're on the wrong path. Or maybe they're just so far down the rabbit hole that they feel like life is hopeless. 
So what we do and what our mission is, Marcus and I, is to bring on amazing human beings such as yourself to tell their greatest never quit story. So Dean, could you share yours with us and our listeners? Yeah, I mean, I think my story came uh, to me on my 30th birthday. So um, I used to love to run when I was a kid, loved to run. And I ran competitively up until I was a freshman in high school. And then I quit running altogether, stopped for uh, 15 years. I was in a, a, a bar in San Francisco on my 30th birthday, uh, you know, doing what we do on our 30th birthday. I was, you know, drinking yeah. with my buddies. Right, you're 30. Yeah, and 11 o'clock <laughs> at night, I said to them, hey, guys, I'm leaving. And they said, well, hold on, it's, it's your birthday, it's 11 o'clock at night, let's have another round of tequila. And I said, no, 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 I'm going to run 30 miles right now to celebrate my 30th birthday. <laughs> and they looked at me and said, that's funny, you're, you're not a runner, you're, you're drunk. I'm like, yeah, I am drunk, but I'm still going to do it. A drunk runner. <laughs> and I, I walked out of the bar that night, uh, you know, three sheets to the wind, and, and I ran straight through the night 15 mi- uh, 30 miles. Oh, my. Uh, I, I sobered up after about 15 miles. I thought, what the hell am I doing? This is ridiculous. <laughs> Halfway done, though. But, uh, it, it just felt right. I, you know, I, I, here I was, this 30-year-old guy. You know, I'd gone through college. I went through grad school. I went through business school. I had this cush corporate job. Uh, you know, all the, all the things that I thought would make me so happy, and I was miserable. There was no struggle. There was, no, there was nothing intense in my life. And I thought, you know, running was really intense, and I, I like that. I need that, and I basically, you know, resigned from my job after that night and uh, changed my life altogether. Wow, that that's pretty amazing. Now, one of the things that, you know, when I, when we were going back and we were checking you out and and doing one of the videos I I was watching of you, this really cool video of and a bunch of montages of you, you know, running in all different environments, and and you you made a quote in there that I would love to kind of expand on, and you said. Struggling and suffering are the essence of a life worth living. Now, what, what, what do you mean? What, can you explain that to our listeners? Well, yeah, I think, I think that, you know, here in, in Western culture, we kind of, we, we got things spun around. I mean, we equated, uh, you know, happiness with, with being comfortable, right? We thought mm-hmm. if we were comfortable, if there was no pain in our lives, we'd be happy. And we're so comfortable, we're miserable. I mean, there is no struggle in our lives. You know, we go from our air-conditioned houses to our air-conditioned cars, you know, to the, our air-conditioned buildings. We sit in the air-conditioned offices. Uh, there's, no, there's, there's, there's nothing difficult about what we do. And I found that when I'm in, you know, the grips of a really intense and physical endeavor, and it's, I'm struggling, I'm in pain, and it, it hurts, that's when I feel most alive. And I thought, you know, this, this is when I really connect with the universe is when I'm struggling. And I think that's, that's uh, counterintuitive to a lot of people. But I think more and more athletes especially are realizing that, um, you know, that, that doing incredibly difficult physical endeavors makes you feel alive, not being comfortable. You, you kind of nailed it. That's, as technology grows, and we, we've talked about this mm-hmm. before, and you're born into a life of peace. Pretty much. Absolutely. Even in the worst places in the, in the country, man, it's still a lot peaceful than the places that we've been. Well, that's and, what, what, and, and I think if you're born into that and then the complacency, everybody, I mean, if you get something for free, you can complain about it anyways. And if, if everybody just took found that one little thing that, that kind of put them out of their comfort zone, it, all, all it takes is one thing, right? I mean, he, he found complete peace and pain while running. So, I mean, once you figure out, 
And once it hits you and you, and you found what that is, yeah. then that, it's locked in. And then everything else is, like I like to say, the white noise. And that's your happiness, even if it's in pain. And once you have complete peace and pain, there are no bounds. Amen. You can just, you can just go uh, and do whatever. I mean, he could shift gears and go do whatever. He can take the pain. And that's what, that's what separates jobs and lifestyles from every other lifestyle is the amount of pain that's involved in it. Right. Yeah. You're no, you're spot on. And what, what's unique, I think about you, Dean is, is, you know, from reading a little bit in your background, you know, you had that great coach in junior high who really kind of planted that seed of pain in running for you. Is that the age it happens at? Because I've heard a lot of people say there's that just, just with him, there's that one, that one, there's, a, there's somebody in your life at a certain age that, that does something that, that sparks it and ingrains it in you, obviously, because you had a 15 year break. And then ran back to it. Was it that coach that did that? You know, those were very impressionable years when you're in junior high school and in high school. And it just, you know, when he said to me, when I said, you know, I won the state championship. And I said, hey, it was good. It was, you know, I had fun. And he said, if you had fun and it was good, you didn't do it right. It's <laughs> supposed to hurt like hell. And it just so shocked my sensibilities. I thought, hold it. I, you know, I just, I kind of breeze through this thing and he's saying, you, you didn't give it your all. <laughs> you should be dead when you cross that finish line. There should be nothing left. You should be entirely spent and it's supposed to hurt. And I thought, wow, he, he really has changed the way I look at things from that point forward. And why, you know, why certain tidbits, uh, fragments like that stick with you your whole life? I don't know, but Certainly, you guys probably can reflect back on coaches you had or mentors you had when you were young, and things they said to you that seemed so juxtaposed with your, you know, your your reasoning at that age that it just it, it changed the way you view the world. Uh, absolutely, sure. but what, same same time frame. Well, for yeah, for me, it was me playing little league football. I remember I had this one coach who was just a honorary old redneck, you know, down in South Florida, and he would we would just hit until we were exhausted and keep going and keep on it was just that breaking point and he said you know this is the point where champions are 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 born and you know but the crazy thing is you fast forward I, you know i got into that hole of chaotic behavior you know i got i got recruited to play lacrosse at penn state went there you know but i wanted to play football that didn't happen i caved in and it really took me you know hitting rock bottom you know, and then deciding to join the SEAL teams. And then in the recognition of the pain that we experienced going through SEAL training is where I found that life again. Yeah, we were talking to one of our guests the other day and he was on the bottom. And it, I mean, and, and the job that he undertook was so just off to the right field, just not even in his wheelhouse kind of deal. And uh, you, you didn't sound like you were, that was where you were at. You Did you like your job and everything was going good? And then you just went for a run? Yeah, was it that? That's was it what, hitting that's 30? Because mine was 40. Yeah. I hear, was yours 30? I well, mean, that, that's what I'm confused, Dean. Can you help us understand was it, you know, was it in the bar that you discovered it or was it on the run that you all of a sudden knew, man, this is what I have to do to, to be alive? And I know specifically when it was, it was about one in the morning, two in the morning. And I, I started to sober up and it started to hurt and I started to feel the pain and I looked up and the sky was just crystal clear. It was, it was pitch black. I was by myself on this country road, no one around serene. And I thought it was my moment with God, if you will. I, I, it just felt right. Everything just, I was at one with the universe at that point in time. And I thought this, this is magical. There, there's, there's magic in misery. And, and it was, <laughs> it, it, 
right? I love it. I love it right there. That's the I, best quote I've I, ever heard, yeah, bud. I, I think there absolutely is one of those. And if you could, you could say that's when you found God or whatever it is, but there's a time on earth when you're in, in some pain that you, you're putting on yourself that when the and mine was with the sunrise too, and it kind of everything and the birds and, and when everything, something will fall into place and it just like a bam. A crash. Because I was going to ask you, I was like, hey, man, I always wanted to know if you were drunk and you just took off running, would you sober up? Do you have a hangover or not? You know, that kind of deal. <laughs> but I bet when you were feeling all that pain, man, when that moment crashed I, on you, you feel I, I anything. I will tell you what, that next morning, I don't know if I'm talking, I felt like I'd been in a train wreck. I mean, imagine running 30 miles cold turkey. <laughs> I don't know if I was talking That's awesome. I, I was, uh, for two weeks, I was a mess. I lost all my toenails. You know, my nipples were shaking. I had blistering where the sun don't shine but it was it was great it was fantastic all right is so- that the first time so my brother and i when we turned 40 man we we kind of shifted gears and, and changed complete focus and i mean you said when you were 30 you ever have you ever is there ever a time before you were 30 where something like this happened or was it did it all fall on that one no i mean you know certainly in uh, in cross country when i was younger there were moments of pain and and suffering but that that hiatus in between it was it was pretty cushioned. Right. It was you know it was right. college. It was partying. It was chasing women. It was that kind of thing. All right, so I got- this is your inner that that part of me that burns inside. I was screaming finally, hey man, let's go for a run. Well, he, yeah. well I, mean, I mean, we we had another buddy of ours who's also an an ultra runner that was on and. You know, we, we, we did a little uh, historical piece before about those monks over in Japan who run a thousand miles. And when he started talking about it, he said, you know, that's what his quest is, is that every time he gets out there and, and keeps running, he's searching for that moment of enlightenment. So fast forward, Dean, when you're doing 50 marathons in 50 days in 50 states, or you're running 300 in... 50 miles in 80 hours and 40 minutes. Why Why are you pushing that hard, that far, that fast? Are what you, are you searching yeah, for? Are you trying to find that moment that you found at mile 15 or when you were sobering up? Right? Because there's those moments One of clarity. One in the morning, yeah. Clarity, man. Moments of clarity. And, That's what I'm asking. To, are you running to find it? Yeah. All of the things you just said. I mean, uh, a Greek philosopher that I very much admire, an ancient Greek philosopher, he, uh, he said, you know, men search out God and searching find him. So I think it's it's our search, right? I mean, we we it's 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 uh, it's revealing new shades of yourself if you will. That's that's what I love about running and the quest for going further and further. It's, it's really a battle against yourself, against your perceived limitations. You know, s- sports are fantastic, Olympic sports are fantastic. Those are primarily competitions against other people. Right. That's a different dynamic. When you go out and say, I'm going to run 350 miles nonstop, it is really an inward battle. It's not just physical. It's primarily mental. And you reveal new, new, new elements of yourself that you hadn't seen before. And you actually prove to yourself that you can be better than what you thought you were. And you can go further than you thought you, can, you could. But you also learn new little micro-strategies, like how do you get beyond a point where you're spent? where there's nothing left. Like, how do you possibly pick up the pieces and continue on when you're, when you feel like you're going to fall over and, you know, and end up in the hospital? Well, I love the concept of micro strategies. And we, we talk about that a lot in the SEAL teams, right? And it's the, it's the, the, you know, the, the constant pursuit of 
perfection and trimming the fat, we call it on, you know, whether we kick in a door and, and, and making sure our elbows are tight. So we get those, you know, those controlled pair or or, absolute understanding of the basics, right? Where we perform those basics to perfection. So as, as you're making those micro adjustments, how do people out there, how, how would you suggest that people, you know, find that place where micro adjustments have a greater significance? What do they need to do to find that? You need to constantly fail. Bam! <laughs> so you need, to, you need to constantly bite off more than you can chew and put yourself in situations where you don't succeed. And then you need to really analyze what went wrong. Why did you fail? I mean, you know, do something like try to run a, a 5K instead of time goal of, you know, of, of whatever it might be based on your, uh, your, your skill level, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And it's a little too aggressive for your, your current level of fitness, and you won't make it. And you'll, you'll say, why did I make it? Were my shoes too tight? Uh, you know, was I dehydrated? Did I go out too fast? Did I go out too slow? You know, was my finishing kick not enough? And you start self-analyzing where the breakdown took place. I like and that. That's how, you learn, that's how you learn to develop. The problem is a lot of people, it, 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 it's hard. You have to be brave to do something where you know you're going to fail. Do, do you still do that? Attention to detail. I, I mean, when was the last big failure that you've had? Oh, I fail all the time. I mean, I do, th- you know, I jump into new types of competition. Like, you know, I do Spartan races. <laughs> awesome. You know, I get, my, I get my ass kicked by people that I know I'm fitter than. They're like, okay, you know, why did I fail at this obstacle? You know, why, why did I miss the damn spear? I know how to throw a spear. Why didn't it stick? You know, why am I doing so many more burpees than everyone else out here? <laughs> I love that. Right, but I mean, it's kind of like lifting weights with, with muscle, right? You start out with a lower weight and you start stacking on. And I love the way he said that you, you kind of start at the bottom and start building back up. And, and same way with lifting weights. And what if that's the way it is with every aspect of the human body, including the mind? You mean physically, mentally, spiritually. Right. And you start, you, you try everything. You test yourself and everything. Because if you lift a little heavier weight, what do you do? You get stronger after you heal up. That's how it works. So if you push yourself, like he said, in every little dynamic... Uh, further than you can at the at the beginning, so you're not getting smashed in the face, but you are getting beat. That's I mean, that's how you take it back, right? All the way to the beginning. That's right. what budge training is. Yep. And then when you when you when you have those building blocks that stack on top, eventually, man, it turns into a building. And, and when he says, does he challenge himself? I imagine you're at the point where you have to challenge yourself, right? Those are. I know I'm a cap- I'm everything capable. else, right? right yeah. And when he did, he, he says he switches up the races, the Spartan race. Well, man, that's a different muscle. That's a that's not a straight running muscle. That's a climbing muscle and everything else. Aryan, yeah. and, and perfect example. No, in butt training, we got our butts handed to us from the log to the boat. Oh. You know what I'm talking about? Every little aspect has to be trained and beaten. And, and that's what it, your muscles learn when they're beaten. Your mind learns when it's beaten, right? Now, and then you push forward. You don't tell it it's beaten because that's the, that's the whole point. That's the lesson, man. You're taking a beating and you can push through it. Hey, my body made it. Where am I at? Am I in a rabbit hole? No, no, no. <laughs> you're perfectly, you're right on point. But one of the unique things that, Dean, that we have for us is we have the, you know, the, the constant pressure of our teammate around us to propel us Great forward, point. right? Running and ultra running in particular is a very kind of isolated sport, especially within your mind. How do you search out and gain uh, the push from other people? Is it through your competition? Is it through people you train with? Or is it just doing a Spartan race and looking around other people that are better than you? 
And I think it's a combination of all of those things. Um, I also think it's a combination of, uh, it, it, it's a, it's an outcome of personality type. I mean, I've had a lot of different, you know, I've done a lot of psychological testing on myself and I've actually gone through some <laughs> psychoanalysis purposefully to learn more about myself and the way I think and the way I logically structure the world. Kind of the for- like in- formal Briggs-Meyer type stuff? Yeah, Myers-Briggs, that kind of stuff, even, even, even deeper psychoanalysis. Okay. And, you know, one thing, one thing I know is that, like, on the Myers-Briggs test, uh, the, the first measurement, it, you know, where they, they look at your, uh, your propensity towards extroversion or introversion. And to this day, I still have the highest score on the introversion uh, chart. So, in other <laughs> words, I am very comfortable by myself and very self-motivated and disciplined. Uh, that's just my personality. Other people that I train with and work out with who are, you know, uh, equally impressed, impressive athletes or even superior, I think superior to me, they're extroverts and they thrive on working out with, with others in their peer group, uh, or working out with me. Uh, and that's kind of where, you know, that's where they push beyond their, their current level of, uh, you know, of ability. For me, uh, it's it's the other way around. I I actually thrive on going and doing things by myself versus with a team, and that's just that's just the nature of who I am. I I enjoy doing things as a team, but I don't excel at it. Look here, I hey brother, I don't have any degrees behind my name, and those psychiatrists and all those you got a degree in hard those names y'all been throwing out. <laughs> they, they're all smart people, man. But check it from this angle. I mean, you're saying that you're an introvert or that you're isolated. Because I, I run like that, too, and I, I didn't see it as being isolated. I saw it as being engaged. Because when you're running with other people, man, you're engaged into that dude. You're not engaged in, into the road. When you're by yourself, you're engaged to the earth. I mean, the road in front of you, the, the trees, the car coming down the road. And when you're running them races, you're engaged in what they tell you to see, meaning the signs they hold up, the people yelling at you, a certain thing. And once you get past a certain point to where I don't need anybody yelling at me to motivate me, and I don't have to run against that guy to 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 test myself because he's testing himself against other people. I don't, if, if you're such a horrible runner, you find out that if you test yourself against mother nature and everything around it, and then if everything else falls apart, you can still handle what she's got instead of just running down a flat road. And that's what you're doing, man, right? You're ultimately, you're, we, we test ourselves in the SEAL team. Well, that's how men like us gravitate towards certain things. It's and, the and, metric. Right. I don't, it's isolated. Well, hell, I mean, I'm, I'm an introvert when I sleep, you know, or I used to be, but I got married. You know, you can label anybody what the hell you want. It depends on who you're talking to, man. But if it motivates you to do something better, then it's not, a, it's not a labeling process. It's, I was, I don't know if you, if that made any sense to you, but I mean, no, it if does. that's the way, if you think about it, man, because when I was running, I like to hear the ocean crash and I had to run on the beach. Yeah. I'd have to hear out here. It's the birds and the, and all of that. And when you're on the road, it's everything. You're so engaged, not with just that dude next to you. You're engaged with everything. Right. by yourself doing that but that that's a great point that you know the you know the and, and dean you had referenced it too you know the the connection with the universe and you know how do you believe that there's something in your future that's going to allow you to connect even deeper well you know i have this motto which i borrow from one of my sponsors the north face which is you know never stop exploring so, you know, I'm always, you know, people are always like, well, you ran 50 marathons in 50 states in 50 days. You know, how are you going to one-up that? I don't look at one-upping things that I've done or yeah. one-upmanship. I just think, to me, like, what would be the most outrageous, seemingly impossible, uh, you know, thing to, to engage in, to do? 
And so next year, in 2017, uh, I'm planning on uh, embarking on a global expedition to run a marathon in every country of the world in one year. Awesome. So the, yeah. The UN recognizes 203 countries, and I'm working with the, state, the U.S. State Department and the and, uh, United Nations to get passports and permits to, to enter all of these countries. But that's uh, my next goal for next year. Is oh, I love it. And didn't you, didn't you just finish running the Silk Route, too? Tell us what that was like. <laughs> yeah, I ran uh, 525 kilometers, 326 miles across uh, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan. And I've been there. It's beautiful <laughs> out there. there. I've been there. <laughs> Which country have you been to? Uh, Uzbekistan. Yeah, so you've, you've Uzbekistan. Been to, you've been to Uzbekistan. Yeah. Tashkent. Tashkent, yeah. Absolutely, brother. <laughs> Unreal. Yeah, that's unreal. Yeah, so you imagine, yeah, I don't know what time of year you were there, but I was there in July, and it's kind of toasty in Tashkent, like 120 degrees. It, it <laughs> can get a little warm. Oh, oh, okay, so I was there in the fall, <laughs> and it was green rolling hills, and you know how the river, and it's old style out there. And, uh, man, I, that place was great. Yeah. That place, it was outrageous. It was, you know, the thing that was so uh, so ironic to me is, you know, everyone here in the U.S. is warning me, like, you know, while, you know, Pakistan is right above Afghanistan, and, you know, aren't you worried? And, you know, will you have armed guards around you and this and that? You know, I never once felt threatened at all the entire time I was there. And the people that uh, I interacted with, you know what they were saying to me, the local people? Huh. They said, you know, are, they said, don't you, aren't you afraid about living in America? It seems so dangerous. I mean, well, all we hear about is people shooting police and, yeah, and, and you know, nightclub shootings and they, they, everyone hate each other in America. Yeah, those people are so great. I mean, the thing you got to worry about and the craziest part, this is how you'll know I've been there, bro. When they drive their cars, one lane is two. And yeah. when you pull up to a stoplight, there's six cars <laughs> at the stoplight and it's, there's no cabs. No. If you need a ride, you just walk out, wave your hand, and some, somebody will roll in and <laughs> the the... The soon that they use in the between the, the the difference between the dollar and the soon. I mean, we, you cash in five bucks, you'd have this wad of cash you had to carry in a duffel bag, man. <laughs> and you hand it to them, and you, I mean, they'd want to just come home and take care of you. I mean, it's it's they're the most jovial people, and it's just it's a blessed city, man. I, I had a really good. I mean, what was unique, Dean, about about being out there and your connection to the history of of that route and that area and that time? You know, did you feel that when you're out there, you know, logging in those miles? Well, you know, one thing um, that, uh, you know, I've always wanted to see the Silk Road. I mean, I'm, I'm Greek. I think, you know, 100% yep. Greek. And, you know, Alexander the Great had pioneered the Silk Road. So, I mean, he had left from, from Greece and traveled all the way to Central Asia and Mongolia, all the way almost to China. And I wanted to see, well, what is it, you know, how hard was that? Like, what was this terrain like? That's awesome, man. That's and, what I hope you say. <laughs> you saw that terrain. I mean, it is intense. It is incredibly beautiful, but mountainous, hot in the in the desert lowlands, and it, to see that you know uh, literally at six miles an hour was was really awesome. It was it was just awesome. That's cool, man. I tell what you what, brother. Hey, I'll, I'll, hey, T and Q, we'll do a race with you. Why don't we redo every force march of every major empire across? Now history. you're talking. So you, you just ran the Silk Road. We'll, we'll, we, we'll do a run of uh, the Romans. You know, all those. Alexander, I mean, Genghis. That'd be it's like, cool. hey, you want to run a race? We got one for you. It's, it's called the Empire or something yeah, like that. You yeah, know the, what I mean? The world tough, Empire. Man. I, was, I was hoping he would say that. Yeah. I mean, they, going back to his ancestors, they ran. They marched through there. I ran through there too, man. And that's, that's tough, dude. Wow. 
Well, Dean, I know you you've been working on a book about that the the, the Battle of Marathon. Could you could you explain and what what interested you and why you're going down that and what why you're doing this? Well, you know, I uh, I I'm just I'm captivated by the lore of the marathon. Like, why is it 26.2 miles? You know, people talk about marathon. You know, I'm going to run a marathon, but no one really knows the origin. Like, where did it, where does the word even come from? And so I thought, let's, let's delve into the history and let's really uh, get, you know, I, I heard this guy was from Greece, so I thought, I'm Greek, I should go check it out. And I learned a lot about uh, ancient Greece, about the Battle of Marathon, about democracy, how this, this guy actually had run not uh, 26.2 miles, but more like 300 miles oh. from Athens all the way to Sparta to recruit the Spartans to come fight the Persians. And the Persians basically were there to squash Greece. You know, they heard about this thing about democracy, you know, ruled by the people instead of ruled by a, a, a tyrant leader. And they said, we can't let this, this kind of logic proliferate. Let's go, you know, conquer Greece and put an end to this. And uh, it was just a fascinating, fascinating story. And I went and recreated uh, the actual run, that 153-mile that oh, wow. one-way run. Yeah, with... Uh, you know, all the ancient foods, like I ate the stuff they used to eat that was called pastilli, which is uh, mashed sesame seeds and honey. It's like an energy gel. I ate figs. I ate, you know, cured meat, olives. As I was running across Greece in the middle of summer, you know, in the heat in the mountains, uh, 153 miles, and only drinking water, you know, no Gatorade, no sports drinks or anything. That's Awesome, man. How'd, how'd your body, how'd, how'd, I mean, how'd, you, how'd your body feel after compared to that, compared to some of when you, when you got those, all those high-powered stuff in you? Uh, you know, it, it was a, it, I trained with that stuff. So I, tra- I mean, imagine running, eating olives. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's not ideal sports food. You know, and figs. I mean, you can only eat so many figs, and things happen when you start eating too many figs. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> not, not good things, yeah. I live it up. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible so you you'd mentioned before like when that guy reached sparta he, he dropped dead i mean was that entering into your mind does that play a role in your thoughts and your focus and your drive that you connected to you know to pay tribute to that cat yeah and i really tell that story i mean i i had it was it was really really hard to do what he did and I, you know, I'm a modern sports guy. I mean, this guy was, this was 2,500 years ago. He's running in a toga barefoot. You know, I, I, so just, just to think about where his head was at, where, you know, he knew he was going to die and he kept running. Uh, because the highest honor back then was to, to serve your country and die in the process. I mean, we know about... I don't know if you saw the movie 300. Oh, like with the, brother, the that's, you gotta, you got well, in the teams, we, we like to consider ourselves the modern, modern day Spartans, brother. So that's like a staple in our diet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, and you know, the Spartans, they fought to the death and you know, a lot of, a lot, a lot of people talk about a lot of armies over the years have talked about fighting to the death, but, but typically that's because they have no alternative. They're trapped and they've just got to fight, where if they had an escape route, they'd choose to use that route. The Spartans could have got out of there. You know, they've got 10,000 Persians coming at 300 Spartans. They could have ran. They could have retreated. And they said, no, we're, we're fighting. It's going to be an honor to die. 
You know, and, and that's basically what Pheidippides did. He just said, I'm going to run until I die, and I, this, is, this is how I want to end my life. Well, what, it, what really is cool to me, Dean, is that you've taken this thing that has, has connected you to yourself, connected you to the universe, and now you're exploring it in a completely new fashion. When, when did that come about and why? It's, I, I think it's just that, that theme of never stop exploring. It's, just, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like you guys. We have a great curiosity about things. We want to go deeper and really take a deep dive and engage in it and feel it. Uh, and, and that's kind of what gets me off. You know, I don't like doing things on, this, on the surface superficially. When I'm interested in something, I like a deep dive. Hell yeah. And we, we got a, I've got a buddy of mine who he runs too. He found his enlightenment in that. But he runs in the mountains. He's been on here before. Yeah. And I mean, Cam, he's. Yeah. There's a guy out there. His name's Cameron Haynes. And he's one of the top bow hunters in the world. And uh, amazing guy. And we had him on. And, and his whole thing is to connect to the true, the truest form of hunting and what it must have been like for the, the sustainment. The same as you. I mean, you're, yeah, you're with the I mean, Greeks and the running. And it's like, his is the same deal. And he, he hunts. So he runs the mountain and until he kills his prey. And then he runs it back down. Did you just hear, I mean, guys like you guys that running down. I mean, well, I don't know. I'm out. I don't even <laughs> That's just men. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, Marcus, you going back to combat <laughs> after being in Afghanistan, that, that's pretty much the same thing. But so, Dean, when, when, if you can go back to a place uh, in the last, you know, 10, 15 years, was there ever a time where you were like, you know what, man, th- this is too much. I'm done. I don't want to go anymore. I, you know, I've said, I've said this, is, I've many times said, this is too much. I can't do this. And then said, put your head down, suck it up and do it. Just that so simple. I, I never said I'm going to, qu- I've never said I'm going to quit. I've ha- I'm, ha- I'm over this. I've said, damn it. I put myself in a situation that is, is too intense. Why did I do this again? You know, this is, this is too much running, you know, 326 miles across Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan, <laughs> really unsupported. Uh, it, it's just, it's, it's too intense. I can't make it. And then, you know, having that thought 10 days in a row as I'm running 40 to 50 miles across the desert, but refusing to give up. I love it. I love it. it so one of the things, Marcus and I are, are, are both, uh, parent fathers. And, and so a lot of times we get hit up with questions, you know, you guys have, have seen so many incredible things. You've pushed your bodies and, and your minds and your souls to really huge levels. How do you translate that into your children? And, and, and how, how do you do that, Dean? Well, I, I think, you know, being a parent, you guys know this as well as anyone, you know, when you tell your child to do something, they basically do the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't tell them, go, you know, go running. Cause they'll say, I'm never going running. Uh, instead, I think you just lead by example, right? Absolutely. And they see that in you just you're authentic in your passions, and they you know the kids are really smart at seeing hypocrisy, right? I mean, they see through. Well, Daddy tells me to do this, but he doesn't do it. So you got to be true to yourself, true to your age. word, and lead by example. And I think you know I think the best leaders of all are those that that you admire because they're true to themselves. They lead by example. They they speak the truth and they live what they speak. Who, who are some of those people out there that, that you really admire that are out there on the cutting edge and really pushing themselves as you have 
chosen to push yourselves that that really can be a a great example for you know our listeners to to check out after they've they've gone to and and looked into your background and what you're doing who are some people that you really admire for pushing it well you know the guys that i admire might surprise you i mean there's a a skateboarder named tony hawk oh we love him yeah i mean so i just love what that guy did i mean skateboarding yeah, in the 80s and the 90s. How do you make a living out of skateboarding? It's it's kind of this rebellious sport. You, you know, do you I, do 920s at, at at almost 50 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and, and you build the infrastructure. I mean, that guy built an empire out of nothing and I out of a sport he loved and it seems to be very organic. He he loves what he does and he he was very successful at it. Kelly Slater, uh, look Laird at Kelly Slater. Oh, Laird, I love yeah, Laird. Yeah, you probably know Laird. I mean, Laird, again, to me, is you know someone I so admired, not, cause he's, not cause, because he's just a great athlete, but he's taken it beyond that. And he's inspired so many people by doing what he does. That's Everybody. Cool. I mean, I, us, I'm Laird, God. Yeah, he's, he's awesome, man. On Kelly Slater is awesome. Yeah. With a woman. <laughs> he does more than surf, dude. Yeah, he drops in on 100-foot faces, dude. Big chest. Hey. Oh, oh, big, big chest. chest. <laughs> with Laird, bro. I, I, I love those answers, man. And, and uh, you know, it, it's so cool. And when you do think about, you know, and, and you have that, you know, your bandwidth is, is opened up to other people pushing those limits in a way that, you know, you can find that admiration. We really are able to pull from their experience, pull from their example, like you were saying, and incorporate it into our own. And I think that's a beautiful thing out there. So what, you know, Dean, if you could, you know, share with everybody what you got going on now, you talked a little bit about the running a marathon in every country in the world. What else are you doing to, to teach people, to share this mindset with everybody out there? Well, you know, one thing I do is uh, there's, there's this event called the Endurance Challenge Series that I conceived, and it's a two-day festival of running and endurance. And it's in uh, a conjunction with two of my sponsors, the North Face and Fitbit. And we have six venues across the country. And on, uh, on the weekend events, on Saturday, there's a 50-mile uh, run a 50-kilometer run, uh, and a marathon. Cool. And we encourage people to never stop exploring. So uh, if you've run a marathon before, we say sign up for the 50-kilometer run, which is a, an ultra marathon. Run your first ultra. And if you've run an ultra, a 50K, sign up for your first 50-miler. So go beyond your comfort level. Uh, on Sunday, we have a 5K, a 10K, and a half marathon, and it's the same routine. If you run a 5K, we say sign up for the 10K. And uh, it's a staggered start, so everyone finishes around the same time. And so you get this cross-pollinization. You know, you get a 50-mile sure. runner hanging out with someone who, who just struggled to run a 5K, and here's someone that just ran 50 miles. And they both inspire each other because the 50-miler is an elite athlete this 5K person might be, you know, 50, 60, 70 pounds overweight, yeah, but they had the thing. courage to come out and run a 5K. So that's inspirational. But to the 5K runner, they're looking at this pinnacle of fitness going, my God, look at this person. Look at me. I, can I get there? Can I be like him or her? 
Oh, that's smart, man. I mean, if I was running that 5K, I'd be like, I'm going to beat this the guy running the 50. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, he's, you better watch yourself there, I, bud. I'm because come in before I'm gonna, the guy running the 50. I, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Well, I can talk smack when, now because I'm broken and I'm 40. When, so, when, I mean, when, I, when Morgan and I sign up for the Leadville next year, you're, we're going to make you pace us for at least <laughs> at least 25 yeah, my, of it, my, bud. My twin brother's a runner. So, I, I mean, I, you know, what, uh, I don't even know what he's thinking. We're not... <laughs> Well, Dean, man, I, I really hope uh, you can stick around for a little bit and come back in the After Actions Report and give a little how-to for our listeners out there. But in this segment, we're going to finish it up on that note. And, you know, we're really looking forward to your book coming out. Where will the book be available when it comes out? Well, the book, it's called The Road to Sparta. And, you know, it'll be in Amazon. It'll be in Barnes & Noble, you know, all the bookstores and everything. It's uh you know, this will be my fourth book, so I always consider myself a uh, an accidental New York Times bestseller because uh, <laughs> right? two of my books so, so far have been on the New York Times list. I'm like, I, I don't even know how to write. I don't know how I'm selling books that are on the New York Times list, but yeah, it'll be pretty much available anywhere and everywhere, hopefully. Cool, cool. Yeah. Well, well, Dean, thanks so much for coming on and sharing with our listeners. We're really appreciative, and uh, we're, you know, I tell you what, once you're out there going in every country in the world, you got two fans right now that'll support you. <laughs> no, I'm in, I better come, come out and run with me. You know, come out and run with me in Tahiti. We'll run around a tropical island. And now that we that. might take you up on for sure. Yeah, he just, he, he just <laughs> shot, shot straight past me to the boss. Yeah, so the boss like Tahiti. Yeah, he'll run. He'll run his ass off the whole time we're there. Go ahead, Dean. Take him running. Awesome. All right, well, Dean, thanks so much. God bless you, buddy. Bye-bye, guys. Thank you. For a dude that just ran... So bothersome. It it really is. So bothersome. For for a dude that just ran across (laughs) Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, and Askrakistan. That's shifty. That's shifty. Is it shifty? (laughs) I mean, it's borderline shifty, dude. There's you something about hand, these like runner hand, dudes. Right, my hands start to sweat when I when we find out we had to jump out of airplanes. Yeah, yeah. And my knees hurt when I found out we had to. <laughs> my knees were hurt the entire time, but he was motivating. I mean, those runner guys, man, they're something else. I, I I enjoy having them on. Well, I dig it. What's so cool about it is, you know, they they've spent so much time in that painful spot. So much. I that that many miles, it's sun up, sun down, right, all the time. Well, they. He, I wonder if it gets to the point if they don't run, does what? What their does their body hurt? Something's going on, right? Something has to. Well, he, hey, he maybe met, that. Well, I, I, you know, I, I didn't bring this up or ask him, but he, he's been tested, and apparently, his lactic acid he doesn't burn it like other people well, do. That's what I was, I was wondering. I was like, has that changed? Oh, right, from when he got tested. I, I don't know. We should have asked him. You know what I mean? He, they, they, they put, put like Goggins. Goggins. Yeah, Goggins. Um, they push themselves so hard that they, because when people get on drugs, they say that that physically alters something. They could push themselves so far on that that their lactic acid intake and, and the reduction of that goes down. So, I mean, you literally have to run hundreds and hundreds of miles just to get the same lactic acid buildup that you and I would get for running a, a half 15 minutes. Right, yeah. Three minutes. <laughs> run down the stairs going down the stairs we would have a lactic acid build up <laughs> i'm done i'm done, <laughs> I'm done well it was awesome to have him on i mean he, he he is absolutely you know the the greatest ultra marathoner in, in human those are the history. guys who need to come on and just you could do uh, an hour with them just talking about the mental game oh yeah you know about? i mean that's what he just did sure. i mean basically yeah. i mean i you know that's i mean that deep 
side of it because all you have to do is ask him what his favorite song is well, and then that's yeah. that whole deal. And, like, and then you know what, you know where he's at well the thing that i'm getting about these guys who live in that crazy ass space out there is that it, it ceases to become complicated right a middle space right yeah it it's just is running it, in between pain and all the problems that they they everyone has normal life problems and well, then the pain then there's a middle space maybe well that and that's what you talk about regularly <clears throat> you say guess what man i you know i've i've been through all the pain i've experienced all that so check it's like that t-shirt i put on right you know what i mean it's just it's old shirt an just old shirt old shirt you love it right that's you don't want to get rid of it i mean my wife tries to throw it away i'm like man we've been through a lot and each hole and each stain has <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's your body. That's there, life, there, right? There's an old chief from Team One that I used to 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 uh, work with and around. I actually was in Afghanistan with him our first trip, and he was the dude that had the brown tee that he'd worn for like 15 years. Right, the it, same sock. It, it had been cut because he had to go take a crap out the back. <laughs> so, right? so, so what I'm saying is, is Dean Carnassus and David Goggins and Goggins. Just Goggins. And and Justin Leg, these people who have just experienced pain and, and their performance threshold with pain are in a whole other place. It's just like that old rat. The greatest features. part about it is, man, you could sit. If normal people see them. They can sit down and have dinner with you, and just the norm. Their normal day is normal, just like ours. That's the beauty about it. That ought to show you that, man, that amount of pain that you can push up. Look at the lice that they have. And, right. And the way they think when you talk to them, man, they just enlighten you every time. And, and that's what we're hoping you're hearing. We hope you as the listener are hearing that example come out of these amazing people's mouth. We hope that, you know, it may be on your 30th birthday or 40th or even 50th that you have that wake up moment and you go run 30 miles or maybe you go swim 20 or maybe you just go for a hike for three months straight on the Appalachian Trail. Because it's in that moment where you find that enlightenment. That's right. Your body wakes you up and says, go run 30. I mean, I want to give it a whirl. Look at what it did to look, all of us. Look at what it did to each one of us that when we come on and describe to you where we found that enlightenment, it was in the heart of that pain, that positive application pain, not the negative, not the one that you scream at against, the comfort zones. And that's funny because that's that's when most people want to live in. Is in the comfort zone, for sure. Yeah, there's but, a pain in that. There's a pain in that that causes that uneasy feeling that and when people, someone's mad at you and all that stuff, that, that's a pain that that, that most people sit in all the time and they're the, it's the, the opposite it's the effect. opposite of, yeah it's the opposite effect so the pain you're looking for is the one where you get out and you push yourself and that's when that enlightenment comes the and positivity that's, and that's how you learn and, and once you achieve that man that other pain is no problem it doesn't even exist man it's white noise like we like to say you are dropping mad knowledge right now bud that, deep? that was super <laughs> deep dude that was that was crystal I've clear drinking, i've been drinking some of my mom's sweet tea <laughs> well i love that so if you know, listen, we're so thankful that he came on. We're thankful for that you listening. What we want to do now is I just, you know, we always ask that if if our listeners have a special never quit story and they really feel uh, compelled to, to go to the website at teamneverquit.com forward slash podcast and share your story, right? Dial up us on your internet browser and share your story, your greatest never quit story. And if it's good, we're going to read it on here. Just Check like this out. This could be one of them deals where you're sitting at the house having your never quit moment and you're wanting to write it out. Send it to us. Right while, then. While you're having it. Right then and there. you want to talk to somebody, send it. Send it right in. And, it, and if it's super awesome, I mean, if it's something that floors Marcus and I, guess what? Bring you here. You're coming on the show with us. So 
Hey, and stamp hesitate. that letter right now. Just at the bottom of it, sign your name underneath it in bold letters. Just put it right now when that was written. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I, I love it. I mean, I absolutely love it. So what, I'm going to read a story right now that was sent in. And this one came all the way from Australia. And I want to just read this so you understand the, 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 the type of what's going on. My older sister, Michelle, would have been 41 today. Always an extremely high-functioning individual. She was an athlete and an academic. Post-high school, she endeavored to study long and hard to get where she felt to make a lasting positive impact on the world. She touched everyone she met, and her and I were very close. When she was struck by leukemia, it was one of life's most disgustingly unfair blows. Having the chemotherapy tried to try to kill it. Her hair fell out. She became excruciatingly ill, but never failed to have a smile on her face. Her body wasted away, but the cancer went into remission which was bittersweet when shortly afterwards it came back. Then she was, there it was again in a hospital, wasting away with chemotherapy. This time, however, a U.S. Marine master gunnery sergeant who lives in Chicago donated his bone marrow to help save her life. The bone marrow transplant was worse than the chemotherapy, but Michelle knew it had to work. The most remarkable part of all this as she was there fighting for her life was she was working on her thesis while having this treatment. She struggled through it and submitted her thesis. Unfortunately, it was rejected, which was a devastating blow. The treatment was complete, and just over 12 months later, her hair had grown back. She was becoming fitter and healthier and was living home with us again. And then the cancer came back. The doctors told her treatment was not going to work. Through the last bout of cancer or chemotherapy, she fine-tuned her thesis and submitted it one last attempt. It was published and accepted. We were all there and, and told the chemotherapy had not worked, and she was sent home to be with us for a few remaining weeks. About eight later, days later, her thesis had been accepted, and she was awarded her PhD. She became a doctor. Four days later, she left us. She fought until the bitter end, while cancer slowly killed her. She struggled to breathe, let alone keep her eyes open. However, six hours before she died, I whispered her, asking if she wanted a drink of water. She managed to open her eyes and smile at me. It was the last time she would ever smile. To this day, her never-quit spirit lives in me and has ignited a flame of purpose and sense of service. These landed me in, Australia, in the Australian military, and I have a personal aspiration to serve in special forces. Although suffering failed attempts to join SF in the past injury and, and battle through mental blocks to gain my performance, I continue to reapply in another attempt to serve Australia's most elite group of soldiers. As I await my most recent application, I am still untested, which keeps me up at night, but I never give up, as Michelle wouldn't. It would be great to have Michelle's story posted or read on the next podcast. She deserves to be remembered and to, to, to move people in the way she's moved me and pass the torch of never giving up no matter what to help me realize my purpose in life and to live it fully. This is from Craig from Australia. You know, I have a soft spot for the Aussies. Yes, I love the news, man. I mean, hey, keep trying. Keep working. Those guys are worth getting in there and hanging out with, and they all have stories that, that, that you have. They, it took them forever to get in. They're a ragtag bunch of They're mean, awesome. awesome dudes. They're awesome. As far as um, she's immortalized now, we got a hold of her. All right? And I mean, that story, and that that is a perfect example of what do you think she cared about? I like to talk, ask a couple of doctors this. I mean, was it graduating from medical school or was it being a doctor? 
when you got that that moment, that one that's locked in. We love that's what you are. You are a doctor, right? Right. When someone tells you that you are, that's that big moment. That's kind of the graduating buds. I remember that being a seal was great, but you, I remember the date the when date. I graduated Absolutely. there. Absolutely, the time. And, and I mean, I imagine she, I had an OIC. We were sitting in Uzbekistan. <laughs> I was like, man, I don't think I don't know. I want to go to medical school when I get out of here. Might be too old. He goes, you start thinking you're too old. Do anything. Go ahead and put one foot in the grave, boy. Wisdom from that joker, right? And I mean, that's the same way it is with her. She was she was a doctor. We right. refer to her accordingly on here as doctor, doctor. right? Yeah. And Amen. I mean, you know he's Brother. gonna make it. You know he's gonna be in there, man. Oh, yeah. And then we're gonna hear from him about twenty years from now after he retires. And he goes, "Have I got some stories for you, Jack?" Amen. Because she will. She's with us now. Amen. And I hope you all hear that loud and clear. I hope you heard it from the the story we to, we told in the beginning. I hope you heard it from Dean, and I hope you're hearing it from that story right now. Because listen, this is what we're here to do is to inspire you to never quit because great stories ignite legends. I just want to thank God and thank Christ, thank my beautiful wife, the Admiral, my two beautiful kids, my my, my family. I want to thank my brother here, Marcus, and I want to thank all Dean and all those people in my life who've inspired me to get up every day and never quit. Thank God for giving me my gifts, friends for helping me find them, and for the wife. And I... This one, this episode is dedicated to the Australian people. I love them, man. I had so much fun in Australia. I almost lost my career. JJ, you were there. <laughs> I mean, everyone's great. The, the, the men love to fight, and the women are beautiful. Man, we had a blast there training and working with them guys in, I, in Iraq, man. And they, they're just solid. Australian people are solid and friendly. If you get a chance, I mean, y'all live all the way. That's a long trip, man. I got to tell it's you. Worth it's worth the trip. Yeah, yeah, man. It's, <laughs> You got to go down there and check that out because those people are great. And God bless them, man. And I thank them for doing what they do so we can do this podcast. They got me through that. Those boys are tough, like we said. <laughs> so uh, you guys out there, man, if y'all hear this, I miss you and love you. And thanks for all the good times. And I'm out. We're out.